0: Howdy friends, I'm J.T. Harvey. You may remember me from such videos as, Is That Man a Socialist? And Banks, can we really trust them? Well, I felt kind of bad with the last video because I left everybody hanging, and I saw a Clint Eastwood movie once where they left him hanging, and it didn't work out well for them. So I thought I'd better finish this up today. Now, you may recall from the last episode that that the reason I was talking about banks and so forth was was there was a letter from a nice woman in Lubbock, who was worried to death that the Chinese were going to load up uh, Texas Tech and take it back to Shanghai. And, of course, this is a big worry for a lot of people today, not, not Texas Tech in particular, but the fact that the U.S. has such a large national debt. Uh, just in January, I believe it was, I saw figures that said it was $22 trillion. You know, to, to convert that into terms that means something to you and me, you could buy 4.4 billion horses with that, or about 10 billion head of cattle. That'd be one hell of a ranch. Or uh, to, to do what economists normally do, to compare that to the size of the overall economy, uh, that's $22 billion in debt, while the entire US economy in a year is only $19 trillion. So you have to wonder well, should these Lubbockites start bolting down their Buddy Holly statues before they end up in Beijing? Well, let's find out. Let's break this down a bit. Now, let's first back up, and if you haven't seen the previous video, uh, I, uh, you know, I'll try to make it through this one without that being necessary, but it would be a, wouldn't be a bad thing to see it. Uh, I have collected all of my materials at www.cowboyeconomist.com. And there you will find a listing of, uh, oh gosh, I've got uh, uh, my Forbes blog on there, I've got uh, these, the, the videos, my, my Twitter account and so on, all right there at Cowboy Economist. This technology is incredible so uh, but backing up to the previous video and trying to summarize as best i can uh, what i was trying to explain was that the private sector when it wants to spend in deficit why it just creates its own money you go to the bank and you ask to get thirty thousand dollars for a car loan and does that bank go and look for somebody's savings no they just write down on the checking account that you've got thirty thousand dollars they make it up out of thin air so when the private sector wants to Spend in deficit, it just creates its own money with a keystroke. Now, I raised that issue in the previous video because so many people view what I'm about to say here in a moment about the government doing something similar that is creating its own money for its deficit spending they view that as an unnatural act. Uh, not, not unlike something I caught one of the ranch hands doing the other day. I've never seen a chicken run that fast in my life. But, but, but getting back on point, I'm gonna give you four issues here, or four main points about government spending to try to build from the previous video and explain whether or not the woman in Lubbock needs to worry. Point one, the government's deficit is your surplus. Well, first of all, a government deficit is when, and by the way, I'm speaking primarily here of the federal government, uh, not, I'm talking about Washington, not Austin, all right? Uh, the issues are somewhat different for state and local governments. We're talking about the federal government here. After all, that's who owes the $22 trillion, is the federal government. Now, the government is in uh, deficit when it spends more than it takes in in taxes. And the debt is the total accumulation of all previous deficits minus any surpluses. Now, think about this for a moment. If the government's in deficit, who's in surplus? Because as you probably well understand, For every deficit, there must be an offsetting surplus. If we add up every trade balance on the planet, if we add up everybody's trade deficit and everybody's trade surplus, you know what number that adds up to? That's right, zero. So as a consequence, a question that is not often asked about this issue is, if the government's in deficit, who's in surplus? You and me. Because if the government is spending more money in the United States of America than it is collecting in taxes, from the United States of America. It is injecting income. We are receiving a surplus. Now, I, I know that this is a little bit hard to think about. You may be experiencing some of the same confusion that the chicken was the other day, although for markedly different reasons. But but think about this. What your brain is trying to tell you right now is true. If the government's in deficit, if the public sector's in deficit, then the private sector must be in surplus. Now, uh, what, Many people interject at this point. Well, what about those glorious Bill Clinton years when we had those economic, uh, you know, economic growth through the '90s and those big surpluses at the end? Well, let me show you this: the unex, the untold story of how Clinton's budget destroyed the American economy. Well. Uh, First of all, the author of this article, which was in Business Insider in 2012, is being somewhat overly dramatic, but the basic issue was correct. When, if you look at the data, when the government went into surplus, think about this, they were taxing more than they were putting back in. They were getting more, therefore we were getting less. If they had a surplus, we had a deficit. Then that's the honest-to-God accounting mathematical truth of it. All right, point number two. The government, and I, I say print there, we all know darn well it's just a computer entry, but prints the money to finance the deficits. Uh, and honestly, this is no different from what the private sector does. This is not unique to the federal government, but they create their own money to finance their deficits. Here's, now the process is different. Here's how they do it. When the Treasury Department knows they're gonna need extra cash, what they do is they sell Treasury bills. They they used to be physical, but they're not anymore. But the Treasury bill is, is in essence, uh, you buy one for $100 and then the government, you know, is gonna pay you back 110 or something like that for it. you're, You're loaning the government money. So when the Treasury Department sells these Treasury bills to what they call primary dealers in the private sector, that's how they get their cash. Now, this drains cash from the private sector, right? I mean, if the government's gonna sit here and sell all these treasury bills out here to people in the financial sector, then the treasury bills are going out to the private sector and the cash is coming in to the public sector. Remember what I said in the previous video about the Federal Reserve. They target interest rates. They set a target for months, sometimes years, and they don't want interest rates to move from that point. Now, if we're draining cash from the private sector, are interest rates gonna go up or down? That's right, they're gonna go up. So, what does the Federal Reserve do? In order to prevent this from happening and hit their target, they're gonna buy up those treasury bills. So, look, observe this. Let's say this here's a stack of treasury bills and this stack of books here is the treasury department. All right? So they need some extra cash. Oh, I've even got some cash here. All right? So, they sell this to the private sector and the private sector gives them that cash. But now the problem is that this sector out here is short of money. So what I'm going to have to do if I'm the, if I'm the oh sorry about the microphone if I'm the Fed, I need to buy these back up with cash. Now unfortunately I used all my cash over here, but uh, well, I'll just make some up. I'll print up some cash the equivalent amount here to put back in the economy. And so for all intents and purposes what has happened here is that really and truly me as the Federal Reserve I've just given them some money. Only thing is, we worked through a third party that when they sold the Treasury bill over here, I bought the Treasury bill back up. And guess who the largest holder of Treasury bills is? It's not Beijing, it's the Federal Reserve, and for this very reason. So once again, when the government does exactly what the private sector does and creates its own income, or rather creates its own credit to buy things that they can't afford right now, uh, then the Federal Reserve is forced to do the same thing I mentioned in the previous video. And that is that when the banking sector ends up short of reserves because we've created new cash, the Fed is forced to inject those reserves. So for all intents and purposes, the Fed is sending the money right over here. You, you may have read articles about this uh, after the financial crisis. They were calling uh, the, the chair of the Fed, Ben Bernanke, they were calling him Helicopter Ben, which is a reference to a truly terrible article written by Milton Friedman that I had to read many years ago uh, that uh, actually is. Is showing an example of fiscal and not monetary policy, but that, that's beside the point. But in the article, Milton Friedman has the money supply increased by dropping it out of a helicopter. So the idea of of, of calling him helicopter Ben was all oh, the Federal Reserve just making money by dropping it out of the helicopter all the time. Well, they don't drop it out of a helicopter. I've, I've followed a number of helicopters, uh, and and well, not a single one has dropped out any cash. But anyway, it, it, but it's worth it's worth a chance now and then. Now. So, once again, I'm gonna go back to my point here. That was point number two. Good Lord, I've, oh, here it is. Point number two. Just like in the private sector, the government creates its own cash to finance the deficits. all right? Different process, different issues involved, but it's not unique. Now, third point. You might be thinking right now, well, okay, fair enough. Uh, The uh, government, uh, their deficit is my surplus. And uh, furthermore, they're not really borrowing it from me or borrowing it from China. And, and let me interject here real quick, something that I, uh, I wasn't gonna cover in this video, but I think I wanna toss in real quick. The, the debt to China has nothing to do with the federal government. It has to do with our trade deficit. When we buy more goods and services from them than they uh, buy from us, they got money left over. And they think, well, what are we gonna do with this money? And they end up buying, well, often the safest asset on the planet, and that is treasury bills. So the debt to China has nothing to do with the budget deficit. It has everything to do with the trade deficit. And guess who's number two? And actually past China for a short time a year or so ago was Japan, the country we had thought of for many years as the one who had the big trade surplus relative to us. Well, that's why they have the second most debt. So that has to do with the trade deficit. But back to my main story here. So you might be thinking, all right, well, the government's uh, uh, deficit is my surplus. That's nice, and they're not really borrowing it from China or whatever. They're they're doing the same thing the private sector does. They're creating money. But surely to goodness, this can't go on forever. But surely to goodness, at some point, we'll find ourselves unable to repay and be forced into default. And I have heard people say this over and over and over. I, I said, when? When they're going to default? Well, someday. Uh, it, it's infuriating. That statement is, is absolutely just as false as saying that, I don't know, anything written after 1958 counts as country music. And we all know it doesn't, right? Absolutely false. So, and what I'm stating here is not a theory or an opinion. It is a fact. Oh, I'm sorry, I haven't given you the third point here. Our government can't be forced to default on debt denominated in dollars. Not an opinion, not a theory, a fact. It's the law. Now, this should be the least controversial thing I tell people, but they find it the most difficult to believe. Uh, Now, to combat that, I've put together, and I have a longer list than this, but, but, but a number of quotes from people other than me, uh, they say in, in, in uh, uh, logic that this is appeal to authority, but it's all I got, because we're talking about law, and law is authority, so I'm appealing to authority. So I'm going to give you some quotes here from economists, from uh, politicians, from business people, and from people who are Republicans and Democrats, and they're all going to say the same thing. The government cannot default on debt denominated in dollars. It cannot Let me start here with one from the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis. They ought to know what they're doing. As the sole manufacturer of dollars, whose debt is denominated in dollars, the U.S. government can never become insolvent. This is from an article in 2011. Uh, Here's a quote from a fella in 1946. Beardsley Rummel was his name. He was the chair of the Federal Reserve back then uh, through the end of the Great Depression and through World War II. The necessity for a government to tax in order to maintain its independence and its solvency is true for state and local governments, but it is not true for a national government. Uh, And here's Alan Greenspan. Many of you are familiar with him, not perhaps not on a personal basis, but on, on some level. Central banks can issue currency effectively without limit. And here's something from a politician, a gentleman named Dick Cheney. Had a, had a nice movie made about him recently. Reagan proved that deficits don't matter. I, I've got these from like business people and so forth. Oh, uh, speaking of Cheney, we went hunting one time. Uh, th- that's why I have to wear the hat all the time. He swore he saw a squirrel on my head. But anyway, that, that's another story. All right, so we cannot possibly default. That, as soon as you hear somebody bring that up, either they're ignorant or they've got an ulterior motive. And that's the only two possibilities because it simply isn't true. Well, there's a lot of things I, that I can talk about now, but I'm gonna try to wind things down here with my last point. Printing money in deficits does not equal inflation. So, at this point, Oftentimes when I'm talking to a local 4-H club or a stock show, somebody brings up, well, sure, okay, fair enough, government deficits are my surplus, and, and, and sure, uh, they're creating their own money, and sure, the U.S. can't default, but even if I grant all these things, isn't this terribly inflationary, all right? Well, this is one of those times when, when a, uh, a myth refuses to die in the face of mountains of contradictory evidence. Just, just think about just one example. You may recall after the financial crisis that we spent in deficit in a way we had not done since World War II. By far the biggest government deficits since the war. And as I mentioned earlier about Helicopter Bend, we pretty much just printed the money. We went through the primary dealers out here to get over to the Treasury Department, but we just printed the money or hit it on a keyboard and created it electronically one way or the other. And little wonder that we have experienced since this happened Terrible inflation. That's what they call irony because <laughs> we had it. It's been exactly the opposite. In fact, I looked it up before I came on the air. I thought, well, I'm going to look back at the data and see. And what I was expecting to discover was that the rate of inflation since the financial crisis has been below average. I found that. But you know what else I found? It has simply been the lowest that we have had in any decade since 1950. This has been the lowest rate of inflation we have had in any decade since 1950, despite the fact that we have had the biggest deficits by far since World War II, and that we have financed these by printing money. Well, now, there's a mystery here, isn't there, all right? So what's going on? Why doesn't this cause inflation? Well, there's a bit more to it, and you got to back up and think, why does somebody deficit spend private sector or public sector in the first place? Well, they want to be able to purchase resources to use for their purposes, uh, to produce some good or service. For example, if you're a farmer, you might borrow money to buy seed to to plant corn and grow corn, right? Why did you borrow the money? Well, you couldn't afford it. So you're trying to get control of a resource, in this case, seed, and then use that to create another good or service. Or if you're an entrepreneur, you might end up, that's a French word, uh, you might end up uh, uh, wanting to build a restaurant. Right? So so you're, you're trying to get control of, of bricks and mortar and, and fry cooking machines and fry cooks and so on to, to build your restaurant. So you, you borrow this money so that you can control those resources and do with it what you want to. Or, or the government does it. you know, what about the government? What are they doing? Well, they're going to build a bridge or a school or something like that, but they're trying to get control. So, so the whole reason for deficit spending is to get command of a resource that you then use for the purposes you think are best. Now, what happens however, and this is where you get the question of inflation, what happens however if there are currently no unused resources? If there are currently none out there that are idle? For example, let's just use labor because it's easiest to think about. Um, What if we are at full employment and you as an entrepreneur or as the government decide the deficit spend in order to hire more workers. And the government's gonna use this to uh, deficit spend in order to hire more uh, park rangers. And meanwhile, in the private sector, they're borrowing and uh, they, you know they're going deficit spending in order to uh, hire more fry cooks, all right? Well, if you've got more competition for the labor, then the cost of labor is gonna go up and that causes inflation, which, I mean, inflation is not in and of itself a negative, but I, that's not something I wanna go into here. But the point being, that if resources are in short supply, then yes, absolutely, deficit spending by the private or public sector can be inflationary. But we had 15 million people unemployed after the financial crisis. So resources were not in scarce supply. And so it is little wonder then that we had the biggest deficits and the biggest increases in money supply since World War II, no inflation, because we were activating idle resources. Now contrast that to an earlier period World War II, we had unemployment below 2%, and yet spending and deficits that were even bigger than what we recently experienced. And of course, this was terribly inflationary. There were no excess laborers, all right, as World War II, Uh, we got, I think I said, uh, below 2%. And so this is why we had to have rationing and and wage and price control. uh, That you know, there weren't enough tires, there weren't enough cars, there weren't enough radios, and so people are competing. And why weren't there? because the government was using those resources. They were taking command of them and pulling them off to the side and building tanks and so forth. So we had, they were in short supply. So absolutely, deficit spending by the private or public sector can cause inflation, but it depends on other circumstances. People saying that that, that money growth causes inflation have, uh, well, I believe it was uh, Samuel Johnson, a neighbor of mine, that said a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. And I should know. And This whole idea that money growth creates inflation is a perfect example of that. I have, by the way, if you go to cowboyeconomist.com, you'll see a link to one of my Forbes articles on this very issue that money growth by itself does not cause inflation. It is a far more complex phenomenon. Now, all right, well, I think that's plenty for one video. I hope I've given you something to think about while you're riding the fences, looking for strays and wrestlers and so forth. And uh, I want to leave you with one last thought though. Why should the government spend in deficits at all? Why do we want them to do this? Well, I think that the easiest way to get to the answer to that is to think about this. For the private sector, labor is a cost to be minimized. So as a consequence, there's no reason to expect the private sector to hire everyone who is willing to work. If they do, that's great. But if they don't, it's not their fault. You know, they they are following the rules and regulations as they're set out for them. They're trying to increase their profits and so forth. If if they're losing money, they shut them down. So they need, they must, they are not wrong to minimize the use of labor. However, this has terrible social consequences if we do not try to address it in another manner. So, for example, we could have the government hire people instead, as they do. Well, during World War II is a perfect example again. Uh, In fact, in that sense, the Japanese did far more for ending unemployment from the Great Depression, which was still at 9.9% by, by uh, 1941. Uh, it had gone up as high as, 20, as 25% and was coming down, uh, but still at 9.9. But they did far more to reduce that lingering unemployment than Ford, Sears, Roebuck, Coca-Cola, any of them companies. And what the Japanese did was they created for the American people a way to justify philosophically uh, to justify philosophically the deficit spending they desperately needed to do. Because otherwise, they were thinking of it just as we do today, as unnecessary and a burden. They were trying to cut back on deficit spending. Indeed, at one point during the Depression, unemployment had gone up to 25, oh, uh, I'm gonna do it this way, unemployment had gone up to 25%, and then we had reduced it all the way down to, I believe it was 14, I can't remember if it's was 1936, 1937, I can't remember things as well as I used to. Um, and you know what they tried to do next? Well, let's balance the budget, uh, that, that well, all this deficit spending, well, it's just terrible. And yet today we would laugh at how much deficit spending they were doing, and it certainly was nothing in comparison to what they were about to do a decade later during the war, a little bit less than a decade. So they get unemployment down from 25 to 14, try to balance the budget, 19. Idiots! If only I had been there then. So. Once again, uh, there are many other issues to pursue here, but uh, I hope you've learned something. Uh, I hope you've got things to think about, and uh, I hope you have a nice day.